0: Due to the nature of today's episode, listener discretion is advised. This episode includes discussions of violence. Consider this when deciding how and when you'll listen.
1: There's nothing more exciting in the world of pop music than an iconic duo. Fans went wild for Justin Bieber and Ariana Grande's pandemic duet, Stuck With You. And it was a true cultural reset when Cardi B and Megan Thee Stallion teamed up for the song, WAP.
0: But way before them, another songwriting twosome ruled the charts. John Lennon and Paul McCartney of the Beatles. Their greatness almost seemed destined from the very beginning.
1: In the summer of 1957, Lennon and McCartney met as two scrappy Liverpool teenagers messing around in another group called the Quarrymen. According to Hunter Davies' book, The Beatles, The Authorized Biography, 15-year-old McCartney and 16-year-old Lennon became inseparable.
0: Before long, they were writing songs together. NPR reported, it's possible that McCartney and Lennon made a pact, agreeing to split the credit on every track they worked on together, no matter how much they contributed.
1: It created the now famous songwriting credit, Lennon-McCartney, which they carried on to their time with the Beatles.
0: But what fans and music critics tend to overlook is another sadder side of it. While Lennon-McCartney soaked up the spotlight, George Harrison and Ringo Starr were left out in the cold.
1: Some even called them the, quote, lesser Beatles. But make no mistake, Starr and Harrison mattered just as much because their discontent eventually drove the Beatles to break up for good.
0: it's not. You can find episodes of Conspiracy Theories and all other Spotify originals from Parcast for free on Spotify.
1: This is our second episode in a special series on The Beatles. In the mid-1960s, Beatlemania swept the globe as legions of fans worshipped the band, ultimately leading to obsessive, dark conspiracy theories.
0: Today. We'll look into the false fan theory that John Lennon's wife, Yoko Ono, split up the Beatles. Then, we'll dive into the real reasons behind the breakup, like Ringo Starr's insecurities and George Harrison's resentment toward the Lennon-McCartney partnership.
1: Next time, we'll dive into the conspiracy theories surrounding the unexpected death of John Lennon.
0: We have all that and more coming up. Stay with us.
1: This episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. Bottling everything up can be really bad for you in the long run and have some terrible consequences, and this isn't a conspiracy theory. The more you let things build up, the more of a toll it can take on your mental health. I know for me, in dealing with some traumatic events in my life, I had the tendency to think, well, they've already happened, I'm okay, other people have it worse, it doesn't matter much. And through therapy was really able to understand how those events impacted me and changed how I'd started to see the world in ways that weren't great and were sometimes making my life worse. So therapy or dealing with any traumatic events you've had might really help you in terms of how you can live in the present moment now. So if you want to give therapy a try, check out BetterHelp. It's entirely online, convenient, and flexible. It's also really easy to get started. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com/conspiracy today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. dot conspiracy Life is a highway. And on it, there will be many chicken sandwiches, but there's only one Mick Crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Are you looking for a view of the world that's a bit different? Hi, I'm Jason Palmer, a host of The Weekend Intelligence, a podcast from The Economist. Join us to hear the stories that matter most to our correspondents and editors. Every Saturday, we introduce you to people and ideas that take you outside the ordinary and expand your horizons one episode at a time. Join us and see the world from a new perspective. To listen free until May 31st, search Spotify for The Weekend
0: Intelligence.
1: It was the spring of 1970, young people everywhere protested the vietnam war nasa's space program was making massive strides to the moon and beatlemania was over
0: on april 10th paul mccartney put out a press release announcing his solo album mccartney for fans it wasn't hard to take a leap and interpret his words as the official end of the beatles but in truth The group's definitive end was a long and winding road, and it began long before McCartney made his announcement.
1: Still, it broke young hearts everywhere. Remember the devastation BTS fans felt after the group took a break to serve in the South Korean Army? How about when NSYNC declared they were going on hiatus in 2002? Well, it was a lot like that, except for one huge difference.
0: A blame game had started. Fans and the press wondered if the Beatles really split due to creative differences or if there was someone behind it.
1: This was when a popular fan conspiracy theory was born that somehow John Lennon's ever-present wife Yoko Ono had instigated the band's split and the press had a field day with it.
0: In 1971, New York Daily News journalist Donald Singleton wrote that Yoko, quote, "...captured John's mind and broke up the Beatles." Even the band's official biographer, Hunter Davies, told the Associated Press that Yoko was the cause of the group's split.
1: Quickly, her name became synonymous with significant others who break up a friendship. Being the Yoko was a running joke and fans laughed at her expense. But this wasn't the first time Beatles lovers had lashed out at her. It was just the most recent chapter in a long history of fan vitriol directed toward Yoko Ono.
0: According to journalist Philip Norman's biography, John Lennon, The Life, Beatles devotees showed up to Abbey Road Studios yelling anti-Asian slurs at Ono long before the band broke up. One fan even tried to stab her hands with a yellow rose's thorns.
1: And yellow sadly didn't stand for friendship here. The color was a dig at her Japanese heritage.
0: In a Playboy interview with journalist David Sheff, Ono later said, I heard there were plans to kill me. We don't know who made the threats or when, but it rightfully terrified Ono. There
1: were a lot of reasons why fans may have picked her as a target, including anti-Asian racism. In the 1970s, the world had a long way to go when it came to prejudice and racial discrimination. In
0: 1970, interracial marriages were legal in the UK, but they weren't common. A study published in Clark Atlanta University's Social Science Journal found only 1.79% of the population was involved in one. At the time, Ono and Lennon were one of the few prominent interracial marriages.
1: On top of that, Japan's role in World War II lingered on many people's minds, Ono later told CNN's Anderson Cooper she experienced lingering anti-Japanese racism long after the war, including after the Beatles broke up.
0: But those weren't the only issues fans had with Yoko Ono. Nadia Kim, an Asian American studies and sociology professor at Loyola Marymount University, claimed many white fans saw Ono as a threat. Kim said they were angered by a, quote, immigrant who seems to be eclipsing them or overtaking their place. Ono never pandered or genuflected, and especially for someone who was a public figure, that just enraged people.
1: For decades, Ono had to defend herself and denied being the reason for the Beatles' downfall. In 2013, she bluntly told the British publication The Arts Desk, I never was the person who broke up the Beatles and that's a fact.
0: Still, fans preferred to believe it was all her fault. In their eyes, the Beatles had been perfect until she came along, but that was far from reality.
1: Let's turn the clock back to 1960, to four years before Beatlemania took the world by storm.
0: The band had taken on one of its first gigs, playing clubs throughout Hamburg, West Germany. For two years, the Beatles consisted of Lennon and McCartney, along with their childhood friends George Harrison and Pete Best.
1: It's strange to think there was a time when Ringo Starr wasn't the group's drummer. But back then, that role went to 21-year-old Best.
0: McCartney, Lennon, and Harrison hired him for two main reasons. He already owned a drum kit, and, well, he was hot.
1: McCartney once called Best a mean, moody, and magnificent man. Journalist Michael Seth Starr's book, Ringo, with a little help, noted that Best didn't like bantering or goofing off with the guys. McCartney said, quote, We were the wacky trio, and Pete was perhaps a little more sensible.
0: So, while Best retreated, Harrison, Lennon, and McCartney socialized and met other English groups, like Rory Storm and the Hurricanes, which featured an ace drummer named Ringo Starr. They thought he was pretty cool, and before long, Starr became close friends with the band.
1: George Harrison was determined to make a place for Starr in the group, He even admitted in Beatles' anthology that he schemed to have Starr replace Best. To be fair, Harrison thought the switcheroo would solve a lot of the Beatles' ongoing problems at the time.
0: For instance, their producer George Martin liked McCartney's voice and Harrison's guitar skills, but he hated Best's drumming because he couldn't stay on beat.
1: And to make matters worse, they complained best, often called out sick, and didn't show up for gigs. Everyone was annoyed about it, but Harrison, well, he was fed up.
0: So, the usually quiet Beatle loudly convinced McCartney and Lennon to recruit Starr. Eventually, they agreed and offered best spot to him. On August 16, 1962, Martin broke the news to Best before a gig at the Cavern Club in Liverpool. Martin famously said, quote, The boys want you out, and Ringo in.
1: Best asked Martin why this was happening, but he couldn't get a concrete answer. In the end, Best gathered his stuff and walked out the door, accepting his fate. But his mom, Mona, had a harder time with it.
0: According to the Beatles anthology, Mona spread a rumor about her son's departure from the band. She apparently said the remaining Beatles were jealous that Best was a better musician.
1: Mona helped create a minor conspiracy theory on her own with those rumors. The gossip spread to the early Beatles fans, especially those who love the good-looking Pete Best.
0: All they saw was the Beatles callously replacing one drummer with another, and they hated it. To
1: fans, this was the ultimate betrayal. As we talked about last time with Paul McCartney, you can't just replace one member of the band without causing absolute pandemonium.
0: Even in 1962, fandom had a thin line between fantasy and reality.
1: And that was about to become a real problem for the Beatles' newest member.
0: Up next, fans turn against Ringo Starr.
1: Hi, listeners. Carter here. Our Beatlemania series has been such a blast to explore, combining some of my favorite genres, true crime, mystery, and music. Another podcast that mixes these topics brilliantly is Disgraceland. Hosted by Jake Brennan, Disgraceland tells infamous tales of musicians getting away with murder and behaving very badly. Jake melds music history with true crime and transgressive fiction for a truly entertaining look at Rock's most insane stories, shedding new light on the darker side of some of our most beloved artists. If you haven't listened before, there's no better time to dive in. Disgraceland is now celebrating their five-year anniversary with a new season featuring all new artists and stories. Listen to Disgraceland on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one McCrispy, so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem
0: of a detour. Now, back to the story. In 1962,
1: the Beatles weren't a worldwide phenomenon, yet. The band had replaced their original drummer, Pete Best, with Ringo Starr.
0: But the handsome Best had a small yet mighty group of devotees willing to fight for him. At one of their smaller gigs, early Beatles lovers chanted, Pete forever, Ringo never. Some of the fans even tried
1: to hit McCartney and Lennon during public appearances, One person even gave Harrison
0: a black eye. Naturally, this made Starr feel insecure about his position in the group. This new band had the potential to be one of the most famous acts in the world. But the fans hated him.
1: From there, he seemed to spiral. Suddenly, the laid-back drummer was anxious the Beatles were going to replace him, too.
0: Underneath his usually laid-back exterior, this became Ringo Starr's own personal conspiracy theory. That the Beatles never actually accepted him, and they'd swap him for someone else as soon as they got the chance.
1: And much like any conspiracy theorist, he began gathering evidence to confirm his fear was right on the money.
0: On August 23, 1962, John Lennon married his first wife, Cynthia Powell, at a UK registry office. Afterward, on their way to a gig, Lennon told George Harrison and Paul McCartney he got hitched.
1: But no one told Starr. In the Beatles anthology, Starr recalled that the band went out of their way not to mention Lennon's nuptials. If they accidentally did, they'd say, Shh, rings in the room.
0: It was certainly odd and Starr took personal offense. He said, quote, it was kept from me because I wasn't considered a real member at the beginning. I was in the band, but I had to emotionally earn my way in.
1: Lennon denied this, however, saying his marriage wasn't a secret, but he did think he'd lose fans due to the wedding, so he didn't mention it publicly. Still, Starr wondered about his place in the band and his friendships with the other men.
0: Especially as the Beatles recorded their first single, Love Me Do. It was Starr's first recording session ever, so he was filled with self doubt.
1: In the studio, their producer, George Martin, didn't like the first take of Love Me Do. So the band played the song again and again and again. Martin wasn't happy with the song until the 17th try. And it was mainly because of Starr.
0: Martin told the Beatles' authorized biography that he realized Starr wasn't as capable on the drums as he first thought. He said, I didn't rate Ringo very highly. He couldn't do a drum roll and still can't. It was obviously best to use someone with experience."
1: So when it came time to record the B-side, P.S. I Love You, Martin brought in Andy White, a more seasoned drummer to fill in. Now Starr's worst fears were coming true. He was getting replaced.
0: As Starr stood there in shock, a staffer handed him a set of maracas, not only had his main job been snatched away, he was also downgraded to a smaller percussion instrument. He used the maracas during the recording while watching White play on his drum set.
1: Once the song was done, Martin added insult to injury and had the band re record Love Me Do with White on drums and Starr on tambourine. It was a huge blow to Starr's ego. He was already insecure about his friendship with his bandmates, and now his own producer thought he was a bad drummer. Starr told author Hunter Davies, I thought, that's the end. They're doing a Pete Best on me.
0: As we all know, the band never replaced Starr, and the released version of Love Me Do did include his drumming. He remained a critical tentpole of the Beatles till the very end but his insecurities only continued to grow after Beatlemania exploded in February of 1964. The group had millions of fans across the globe, and suddenly Ringo Starr became the most famous drummer in the world. Sadly, that made him a target for some people who still wanted him gone.
1: Months later, the Beatles arrived in Quebec, Canada, to play two concerts at the Montreal Forum on September 8th.
0: Now, this was where the facts got a little fuzzy. At one point during this tour stop, Starr supposedly received a death threat. The Montreal Gazette reported that someone threatened Starr over the phone before the show. Although in Beatles anthology, Harrison recalled the warning being published in a newspaper.
1: Either way, the band said they received threats all the time at the height of their fame, but this one was serious. Someone wanted to kill Ringo. We don't know exactly what the message said, but Starr said it called him an English Jew. Ringo Starr wasn't even Jewish, but the missive was distinctly anti-Semitic.
0: It had been two decades since World War II ended, but anti-Semitism still alarmed the world, and the Beatles. Starr admitted that the threat made him feel really worried. As the
1: clock ticked closer to showtime, the Beatles tried to keep Starr safe. They reported the threat to the police, and a local cop agreed to sit on stage for both performances, but the drummer was skeptical.
0: While on stage, Starr looked out at the large crowd and wondered just how much the policeman would help. He said, quote, I thought, if someone in the audience has a pop at me, what's this guy gonna do? Is he gonna catch the bullet? The guy just sat there.
1: So, Starr took matters into his own hands he used the cymbals on his drum kit as a shield. Usually he laid them flat, but during this concert, he placed them upright in case anyone shot at him.
0: Thankfully, no one did, but the death threat still rattled the band. They were supposed to spend the night in Canada. Instead, the Beatles hightailed it out of Montreal right after the second show.
1: This incident, among others, likely influenced the band's 1966 decision to give up touring and focus on recording. So the Beatles headed back into the studio and made albums like Revolver and Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band. On the latter, Starr even sang on a track called With A Little Help From My Friends.
0: Even so, Starr felt incompetent. Around this time, the band was experimenting with strings, sitar, and even an early version of a sampler. And McCartney ran those instruments through the sampler to show Starr exactly how he wanted the drums to sound on the record.
1: Problem was, Starr didn't play those instruments, and essentially McCartney was showing him how easily he could be replaced by a machine that could turn almost anything into drums.
0: Because of that, Starr didn't have a lot to do during those recording sessions. He sat around so much, he had time to learn chess from the band's manager.
1: And when he wasn't killing time, Starr thought about the future. If drumming wasn't going to work out, he considered acting in movies.
0: Around the same time, George Harrison also felt unfulfilled. While Lennon McCartney wrote most of the Beatles' songs, Harrison was relegated to just playing guitar. Sure, fans loved him for it, but Harrison was dying to tell the world a secret. He'd started writing songs too, lots of them, and he wanted them on the next Beatles record.
1: But George Martin didn't think his music was good enough. After all, the Beatles were now a worldwide sensation. Every song had to be top-notch.
0: As the producers saw it, Lynn and McCartney were guaranteed hitmakers. A newbie songwriter like George Harrison wasn't.
1: This only made things worse. Unbeknownst to everyone, a chasm was growing between the two stars of the band and the members who stood in their shadow. And the Beatles
0: were about to reach their breaking point. Up next, it's Lennon-McCartney versus Ringo and George.
1: Hear that? It's the sound of someone whacking the ground with a rake. Specifically, they're beating around the bush, which we've done enough of in this ad too, so let's get right to it. The new moneymaker scratch-off from the Ohio Lottery doesn't beat around the bush. Moneymaker. Play the game and you could win money. Up to $2 million. With more than $88 million in prizes, ranging from 50 to $500, Moneymaker cuts right to the cash. Lottery players are subject to Ohio laws and commission regulations. Play responsibly. Two guys drove to work. Neither guy wore a seatbelt. One guy got a ticket. One guy didn't. The same two guys drove home. One guy wore a seatbelt. One guy didn't. One guy made it home. The guy not wearing his seatbelt didn't. Don't risk it. Click it or ticket. Paid for by NHTSA.
0: Now, back to our story.
1: By 1968, the Beatles were rife with tension. While John Lennon and Paul McCartney basked in the limelight... Ringo Starr and George Harrison felt rejected and overlooked. In other words, the band was growing apart.
0: That was evident in their next self-titled album. Unlike their other records, the band didn't pose for a group photo on the cover. Instead, it had a completely white background, with the band's name printed in plain black. Fans dubbed it The White Album.
1: Recording the LP was complete chaos, Each band member came to the sessions with their own ideas for songs, and they had a lot of them.
0: 34 in total. That's twice the amount of tracks they normally put on records.
1: Eventually, the Beatles cut the list down to 30. Still, it was too much for one LP, so they decided to make it a double album.
0: Harrison recalled in the Beatles anthology, quote, What else do you do when you've got so many songs and you want to get rid of them so you can write more? There was a lot of ego in the band.
1: The group recorded their respective tracks in separate London studios, meaning they were rarely in the same room together.
0: And when the Beatles did try to collaborate, it only drove them further apart. For instance... Harrison wanted to record his song called While My Guitar Gently Weeps with McCartney and Lennon. But the duo goofed off the entire time. So Harrison invited his good friend, Eric Clapton, to play on the record. Only then did Lennon and McCartney jump into action.
1: Around the same time, Starr was being pulled in two extreme directions. Either he drummed for 10 hours straight, or the rest of the band totally ignored him. No matter what, though, he felt like the odd man out.
0: By August 22nd, he had enough of this dynamic. After a marathon recording session, Starr walked out of the studio and didn't want to come back. Just like that, he quit the band and took his wife and kids to Italy.
1: In the Beatles anthology, Starr said, I couldn't take it anymore. There was no magic and the relationships were terrible. It could have been paranoia, but I just didn't feel good. I felt like an outsider."
0: Now, the most famous Fab Four was minus one. It had the potential to spark fan outrage yet again.
1: Remember how violent they got when Ringo replaced Pete Best? That was before the Beatles became the most famous band in the world. Now the band was at the height of its popularity. Ringo fans might be even more aggressive.
0: According to Michael Seth Starr's book, Ringo, with a little help, the remaining Beatles swore their entire team to secrecy. No one could know Ringo Starr left.
1: So the band covered up the drummer's departure. Lennon, McCartney, and Harrison split Starr's percussion duties amongst themselves to make sure fans were none the wiser.
0: But the Beatles knew they couldn't get away with replacing Starr forever. Eventually, someone was bound to notice. The Beatles needed Starr back in the band.
1: So they sent him a telegram that said, You're the best rock and roll drummer in the world. Come on home. We love you. While eating squid on a yacht in the Mediterranean, Starr read the message and agreed to come back. When he returned to the studio, he found Harrison had decorated the room with hundreds of flowers and Starr loved it. It meant a lot coming from the other Beatle who also felt cast aside.
0: The sweet moment paved the way for the Beatles to finish the White Album and release it. Later in 1968, the LP topped the music charts in the US and the UK.
1: But this was just another band-aid on the group's simmering tensions. And things exploded while recording the Beatles' final album, Let It Be.
0: In January 1969, McCartney had another one of his big ideas. He wanted the Beatles to return to their roots. He thought this next project should be a rock album they recorded together, filmed for a documentary, and, for the first time in years, performed live.
1: Perhaps on a TV special, which was where Beatlemania was first born.
0: The catch? They needed this done in one month because Star was scheduled to film a movie in February. It was a massive undertaking that sounds preposterous even to those outside of the music industry, but they were committed to trying.
1: They brainstormed new songs and rehearsed at Twickenham Film Studios, where tension was visible across the board. With cameras rolling, newlyweds Lennon and Ono were inseparable. Her presence annoyed Harrison and Starr, and when it came to the music, Harrison argued with McCartney a lot.
0: Harrison said, quote, "...the freedom to be able to play as a musician was being curtailed, mainly by Paul." Paul wanted nobody to play on his songs until he decided how it should go. For me, it was like, what am I doing here? This is painful.
1: As for McCartney, he thought Harrison mistook his enthusiasm as trying to control the entire album. McCartney said, in a group, it's Democratic, and he didn't have to listen to me. So I think he got pissed off with me coming up with ideas all the time.
0: Nearly a week into the sessions, Harrison's frustrations boiled over. When the band broke for lunch one day, he announced, I think I'm leaving the band now. See you around the clubs. And he walked out, just like that.
1: Lennon, McCartney, and Starr couldn't believe it. The band stopped rehearsing to talk about what to do without George. Lennon and McCartney even discussed getting Harrison's friend, Eric Clapton, as a replacement. It was an egregious suggestion since Clapton was Harrison's closest friend outside of the band.
0: Lennon and McCartney likely knew that swapping out even the Quiet Beetle would have fans up in arms, so they didn't pursue the idea. Instead, they concentrated on getting Harrison back in the group.
1: That weekend, Starr, Lennon, and McCartney invited Harrison to Starr's house. They tried to convince him to come back to the Beatles, but there's different stories on how it panned out.
0: In the Beatles anthology, Starr said they made amends during the chat and Harrison returned. But the Disney Plus documentary, The Beatles Get Back by Peter Jackson, noted in a title card that the talk went poorly
1: which seems like the more probable outcome. Because that Monday, Harrison didn't show up to the studio, and neither did Lennon. With half the band absent, the album was in jeopardy.
0: As it turned out, the Golden-Lennon-McCartney partnership had its own troubles brewing beneath the surface. With Lennon and Ono absent, McCartney gathered everyone to talk about another band dilemma, Yoko Ono's constant presence.
1: Carefully, McCartney told them he understood Lennon and Ono were madly in love, and he didn't want to break them up. He just wanted Lennon to concentrate more on his songwriting.
0: Whatever was relayed back to Lennon seemed to help, because he came back to work later that day. But it took Harrison over a week to return. It's unclear why exactly, but his mind was made up. He was set on permanently quitting the Beatles. He wanted to make his own music his own way.
1: But first, he promised to get through this last Beatles album, likely for the fans and for his bandmates.
0: From there, the group tried more short-term solutions to get them through the strife, but nothing seemed to work. By the end of the month, the band changed plans. They scrapped the TV special and debuted their new songs to fans on a London rooftop. On January 30th,
1: 1969, The Beatles marked their return to live performing, playing tracks like Get Back and Don't Let Me Down. The fans showed up, but there weren't as many as there used to be.
0: Five years earlier, the Beatles performed live to screaming teenage girls, but according to the Beatles' Get Back documentary footage, this time, the crowd wasn't shouting, and most of the audience was curious London commuters, people who were simply passing by, trying to find the source of the sound.
1: Some of them even
0: complained to the police. When the cops arrived, the Beatles crew tried to hold them off as much as possible. But Star told the Beatles Anthology, I wanted the cops to drag me off the drums because we were being filmed and it would have looked really great, kicking the cymbals and everything.
1: To Ringo's disappointment, that didn't happen. The London police just asked them to turn down the volume.
0: It was the last time the band ever played live. And for that reason, the rooftop concert has a legendary status with Beatles fans.
1: In the spring of 1970, the album Let It Be was released on a somber note. McCartney had already confirmed the band's split by announcing his solo album. The Beatles went their separate ways and fans were devastated.
0: But all hope wasn't lost for them yet. Beatles lovers wondered if they'd ever get back together or if there was new Beatles music somewhere out there, unreleased, just waiting to reach their ears.
1: rumors circulated among fans for over a decade, until the press picked it up in the 1980s. In
0: 1988, the Chicago Tribune finally confirmed the speculation. Yes, there was a secret Beatles album out there. It was called Sessions. Many of the songs had been left on the cutting room floor.
1: We're talking tracks like Lennon's Leave My Kitten Alone and Tomorrow Never Knows.
0: Others were alternate versions of well known hits, such as Eight Days a Week and Twist and Shout.
1: The Beatles record label EMI wanted to release sessions in 1984, but the LP was held up by a lawsuit.
0: Lennon's estate, along with Harrison, Starr, and McCartney, had teamed up one more time
1: to sue the label for the royalties it owed them on CDs. And a judge inevitably ruled in their favor.
0: So sadly, fans had to wait another decade for the tracks to be released. In 1995, it was made public as part of the Beatles Anthology Retrospective and Triple album.
1: For eternal Beatles lovers, this was a dream come true. So sadly, it was the closest thing to a reunion they'd ever get, because that dream was dashed in 1980, when one beetle was tragically lost forever. Thanks for tuning in to Conspiracy Theories. Of the many sources we used, we found The Beatles Anthology by The Beatles helpful to our research. You can find all episodes of Conspiracy Theories and all other Spotify originals from Parcast for free on Spotify.
0: We're here on Mondays and Wednesdays with all new episodes. Until next time, remember, the truth isn't always the best story. And the official story. Isn't always the truth.
1: Conspiracy theories is a Spotify original from Parcast. Executive produced by Max Cutler. Our head of programming is Julian Boisro. Our supervising sound designer is Russell Nash, with Nick Johnson as our head of production and quality control by Lisa Marie Gallegos. Ryan O'Leary Jones is our supervising editor, and Derek Jennings is our writing lead. This episode of Conspiracy Theories was written by Mallory Cara, edited by Georgia Hampton and Lori Marinelli, fact-checked by Haley Milliken, researched by Brian Petrus and Mallory Cara, produced by Joshua Kern, with sound design by Brian Golub. Our hosts are Molly Brandenburg and me, Carter Roy. <laughs>